Hello, everyone. It's Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for a Splash Play recap. We're sure we used to do the show Sunday nights, and now everybody else is doing that, it seems. But we take the time to really let it simmer and bake now to put on a great live show for you guys. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined once again by my friend and yours. You know him. You love him. He's the king of NBA Top Shot. He's Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? No way, man. Even, even the people I feel like that I introduced have just flown by me in the amount of money they're spending. I'm actually personally starting like pump the brakes, force myself not to buy too much. I am no longer the king of NBA Top Shot, maybe NBA Top Shot content, but not the Top Shot marketplace, man. There are some high rolling buys going on over there now. I actually had somebody, uh, one of our guys at Osmo, uh, Emac, who's been around the industry, an older guy, been doing this for years, been, uh, I think I was Roto Grinders at one point, Fanvice, has been with us at Osmo for a while. And he actually slacked me being like, what is Pete doing? Like, I don't know what this soft shot stuff is. And I, I clicked your stream and I was like, wow, 300 people watching Pete open packs on a Friday night. And I have to say, you, you always, this is to your credit, once again, as we always like to do on this show, just pump Pete up as much as possible. To your credit, you are always on the wave of these. And then you figure out how to capitalize on them where we were getting questions on the last video on splash plays channel of people being like hey what's this deal with top shot i think <laughs> trickle down of your influencer status yeah i don't i don't know about that the friday one was uh was wild or whatever day we did that because people just kept coming in and coming in and uh yeah i don't know gonna be doing more top shot uh streams i guess i'm so conflicted because then i do i did my show this morning recapping my my lineup from yesterday and then all anyone wants to talk about is top shot and i'm like no i i'm gonna do top shot stuff but this is for football we're going to talk football right now. Um, and so it's just, it's, uh, you know, infiltrating every part of our lives, Chris. Your fame just really is what gets you when you become known so so intricately for being involved in the Top Shot community. You just can't escape it. There's, did you see? By the way, I got this on Instagram today. There's now NHL Top Shot, not quite Top Shot, but it's like I think called Top Skate or something. And, um, and I, I have to imagine that one's not going to go quite as well. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I know there's a UFC one out that are, they already have a licensing deal with them. So I think that one will be cool. And then of course, all of us, we're just salivating thinking about an NFL one, uh, because that would be, uh, incredibly fun if we get that. And speaking of, we'll have some fun stuff coming up here on Splash Play in the offseason. Maybe some different uh, different approaches we're going to take to putting content out there. So keep your eyes peeled here. Follow us on Twitter at Splash Play Pod. And of course, follow at Peter Rovers at follow at Chris Spags. We'll make sure you guys are in the loop. And if you do follow Splash Play Pod, we are following back the first thousand people on there. So if you want me or Pete to see your tweets in our feeds on a regular basis, that's one way to get it to happen. We want to make sure we're addressing and, and showing our love to the community because we appreciate all of you guys in the chat, all you guys who watch the shows after the fact, all you people on the podcast platforms as well that we don't see in the live chats. We really do appreciate all you guys helping us make this show uh, grow and, and, and stay above 500 subs on YouTube. That's always the goal. Let's talk about this conference championship recap for the week. And Pete, I just want to get your overall thoughts here because I, I didn't love the games. Honestly, the first game was a lot of fun. The second game I was watching with my girlfriend and she was like, this is boring. And I actually, that's not even a fair impression of her at all, but, but I'm going to lean into it. And she's, this is boring. I don't like this game. You don't want to use your, yeah, your death jam impression of your girlfriend. <laughs> uh, you ever be watching football and then your girl just doesn't like it. <laughs> What's up with these girls not liking this football? Come on. Oh, now you're on the character too, Pete. We're both going to get double canceled. 
anybody fucked I'm up. sorry. It sounded like too much fun. I couldn't help but jump in. <laughs> it is honestly a very fun voice to do. That's, that's easily one of my favorites. But, um, you know, the second game wasn't that great, but I thought the first game really had a lot of intrigue. And, and one note I think we should hit on up top here before we dig into the actual game recap. But Aaron Rodgers, the postgame quote for him, uh, it seems like there is a, a whiffs of retirement. I don't know that I buy in that, but uh, I'll, I'll read the quote here. And Pete, you give me your re- instant reaction or probably not instant, your, your refurbished reaction. The Packers have a lot of guys, features that are uncertain, myself included. Rodgers said as part of an answer about how different the team could look next season and what the 2020 campaign meant to him. That's what's so sad about it most, getting this far. Obviously, it's going to be an end at some point, whether we make it past this one or not. Just the uncertainty is tough and the finality of it all. We've talked on this show, Aaron Jones, a free agent. There are some other guys on that team who are free agents, and we do have Jordan Love, uh, who was drafted pretty highly by the Packers. So do you think this is actually Aaron Rodgers considering leaving Green Bay? Because it's crazy after the year he had. And one you know disappointing game where I think he outplayed Tom Brady by a wide margin, um, at least overall, obviously not in terms of getting a win. But can you imagine him leaving? Is this something that seems viable at all to you? No, I, it seems like such bullshit. I mean, like, let's put it in context. So last year he had a rough year. There were a lot of people that were wanting to pour dirt on his grave as like a a top quarterback. He comes back this year after the team refuses to get him any help in the draft. They famously draft AJ Dillon, their third running back. They draft Jordan Love, an heir apparent to him. Don't get him any wide receivers in the most stacked draft class of all time. He's salty. He goes out, has an awesome year, gets really, really close. To me, this is like getting some leverage back with the front office. Like, all right, I did my deal. Now it's time you guys shut up and listen to me. And the same way you see the Deshaun Watson relationship deteriorating in Houston, I think he's looking like, hey, there is leverage to be had out here. I put out a good resume this year and I want the team to know how badly they need me right now. It was a bummer to me for just to see him go down like that at home. And, uh, you know, I know for us and in fantasy for the most part and in betting and all that stuff, you know, I don't care as much about the concept of legacies and all that. I think that's something you could talk about later. But, uh, you know, we, we discussed it on the previous show that we had here on Splash Play with you know, just the idea of Aaron Rodgers, a lot of people putting a lot of weight on that, him going against Tom Brady at home, not coming through. And I just think it's unfair. Like Rodgers had a fantastic year this year, was really one of the best passers in a variety of ways, just per dropbacks, just throwing so many touchdowns. I think he had the highest touchdown per dropback rate in the league. And, you know, the idea of him retiring, I just think when you are so good this year, um, I think is very unlikely. I agree with you on that. But also I agree, like I'm happy for him to get some leverage back. The player empowerment thing has been an NBA meme for a while now, but guys like Aaron Rodgers, like you should be able to dictate everything about that team. He deserves, he's been there for 20 years almost. Like he deserves that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they are one of those teams where, I mean, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the MVP this season, but just using the criteria of pulling a player off of a team and imagining what they would have done this year. I mean, Rodgers made so much work um, with those guys. And I'm still like, guys like Alan Lazard and Tunyon, they stepped up and they're fine, MBS, but they could have gotten out and gotten him one of these elite rookie wide receivers from this loaded graph draft class. And they just didn't. And what he was able to do um, with basically just Devonte Adams as a star wide receiver is pretty impressive. Yeah. And they made a guy like MVS look like a star again, maybe gets him some more money in the off season. Um, even though he probably wouldn't have gotten as many routes this year uh, because of Devin Funches, a guy who opted out earlier in the year, maybe that would have been a, a worse team if they didn't have him or if they did have him in the mix. I'm not sure, but let's talk about this Bucks Packers game. And I'm going to ask you the question too. I'm just going to ask you lots of questions. This is going to be my new prompt. He'd have to ask you a question. <laughs> Does Tom Brady deserve this 10th Super Bowl? Like that to me is the one big thing I want to ask because the three interceptions to me were so ugly. And I, 
I get it. He's, you know, he's driving this car. He's still uh, mostly, you know, getting the results they want, but th- we've seen so many bad Tom Brady games this year. Uh, I'm happy for him. I think it's an amazing thing. An amazing testament to his commitment to both his health and just, you know, being a competent player year after year. But I really wanted Rogers to get there. And I, you know, I'm not an Aaron Rodgers guy, but I just didn't feel like Tom Brady deserved it. So Pete, you tell me, am I wrong about this? Did, did you think that Tom Brady actually deserves this 10th Super Bowl coming up? So I've kind of been on your same wavelength for most of the playoffs. Like I've been on so many shows saying, I think they are fraudulent. I think they're a paper tiger team. I don't know if I've been just too anchored to when they got absolutely smacked by the saints, uh, back in November 38 to three or whatever it was. And so, yeah, I've just thought that this team isn't that impressive. So I'm with you. If I don't think he deserves to win one, but if he rolls through the playoffs going on the road here to Washington, not that that's a big deal, to New Orleans, to Green Bay, and now go and upset the Chiefs, I kind of have to just shrug my shoulders and be like, yeah, he deserves it. So I obviously, this is the ultimate test. Like, I'm going to continue to bet against the Bucs here. I think it, they opened up as three and a half point, you know, home favorite since the Super Bowl is at in Tampa. Uh, I still think the Chiefs are the much better team, but I will finally eat crow if Tom Brady pulls it off again. And we will give our very too far, far too early preview of the Super Bowl coming up at the end of the show. And of course, it's not going to be as much of a deep dive as we'll do when we get closer to the game, but make sure you are stay in tune to that. And if you are watching the video after the fact, you can skip ahead if you want, but we will dig into that one. Um, I wanted to also talk about the reactions and I'm not sure, I know Pete, you're in Massachusetts, even though you're not a Patriots fan, but I'm sure you hear some things there, but I just thought the New England reactions to Tom Brady were odd. I, it was, there were some spiteful people. Some people who were like, how could you possibly root against Tom Brady? Like, even if he's not, uh, Patriot anymore. Like he's, he clearly won the battle with Belichick. And I mean, granted, it's all kind of the classic case of Pats fans, even when they're not in the playoffs, somehow making it about themselves. But how did you feel about this? And is there, uh, you're on the streets there, Pete. So is what's your finger on the pulse of the new England area with the Patriots? Yeah, it's funny because I I've seen it both ways, you know, the spurned lovers who don't want him to succeed, but, uh, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's a gender thing because my wife and all of her friends, you know, that are grew up in new England, they were all rooting for Tom. They were all excited to see him doing well. So it seems like it's split. Uh, but yeah, I, it, it's one of those things where it's like the Patriots weren't constructed to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, as is, even with Tom Brady, if he stayed. So it's like he went on to greener pastures. He went somewhere where they actually had talented wide receivers. So I I don't know. Like, I don't, I guess you can't really begrudge him. I've seen weird stuff though. I have a former uh, Charger fans who lived in San Diego who swear they will never root for the Chargers again. I'm like, I get it, but that wasn't their choice to leave. That was, you know, an ownership thing. And it's still all the players that you used to root for just now, what, 150 miles north. So I guess I never get that logic necessarily. We're all rooting for laundry. And if you like Tom Brady in one jersey, why not like him in another? I think too, really the thing, you know, for as much as I may bash Tom Brady throughout the show, because I just, I want to see these guys, you know, if you're going to get this moment here and he's being heralded like some sort of conqueror for being, you know, being this old, being able to get to a Super Bowl. And I think that's noteworthy, but I, you know, when you throw the three picks, like he basically almost gave that game away. I mean, I think the Packers, maybe a couple more breaks their way, a little better success earlier in the game. Like there are a million ways I think the Packers could have won that. And that to me is the thing. If you're going into this Brady Mahomes matchup, which I'm excited for, I think, you know, just as much. I probably would have been for a Rodgers Mahomes matchup in the Super Bowl. I really just feel like I wanted to see more from him here going against the Packers team that defensively I just feel like wasn't that good all year long. 
Yeah, it, it was weird because Brady, he had some incredible throws, right? Like dropping him into Mike Evans there on the sideline and then mm. made some awful throws too. And I guess the difference there probably is just his experience. You know, if that's a younger quarterback, they probably get super rattled, kind of fall apart, but Brady's able to shake those off and then make the big throws when he needs to. He had some great third down conversions uh, and ultimately it was just enough. I think, I do think like, the the Packers lost that game more than the Bucks won it. Yeah, I think that's a fair one to say as well. Um, I also, I guess let's talk about the players in the game itself because we saw Mike Evans start really hot there and I had tweeted about it because this is one of the things that I beat, beat really into the ground on every show I did about the NFL over the last couple of days is that Mike Evans got shut down badly by J.R. Alexander the first time they played. Alexander covered him on 75% of the snaps, gave up zero catches on one target. And then what are the Packers open the game with, Pete? They open with Kevin King, who's, Individual matchups are not that important normally, but when you go from an elite corner to a guy who's given up like 1.4 yards for route covered, who straight up sucks, and we saw it on that one, I think to me, I, it was like the ultimate 4D chess galaxy brain play where the Packers changed up the thing that worked so well. Mike Evans then was immediately destroying them, and then they're like, okay, well now let's go back to the other thing. And it was just such classic football coach things where you change it for no reason, and then you end up going back to the thing that worked anyway. Yeah, and I think it's probably tough for teams because Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are both, you know, very, you know, upper echelon wide receivers to where you're kind of having to pick your poison. I do think if I was a defensive coach, I'd be more inclined to stop Mike Evans just because he's more capable of those big plays, really bodying defenders deeper down the field. Godwin's more going to be, you know, death by a thousand cuts over the middle, little yak ability, but I wonder if they were just kind of viewing what, you know, what's our poison there. And then they still have, you know, Gronk and Brate you have to worry about as guys over the seam. So yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting to see how they deploy their, their defensive schemes, especially when Mike Evans has been, he's probably one of the top guys that is most susceptible to getting shut down. We've seen it happen with Lattimore over and over. So I'm surprised they didn't just commit to that and go back to it. Yeah, so that was one thing that jumped out to me that did get addressed, and Chris Godwin ended up being the better player, so I feel good about that, but overall, just seeing Mike Evans come out hot after I I really just put my myself out there in a way where normally in DFS, you're sort of, you're not double speaking, but I feel like you're trying to represent the the world of outcomes that could happen in any situation, and uh, to me, that was one where it's just like, oh, you assholes right away, making me feel so bad about myself and all the content we put out here, but I want to talk about the snap count. I feel like this is worth mentioning here, and this is one data point that could help you guys out heading into the Super Bowl. Scotty Miller, 27 snaps. Tyler Johnson had 19. I know that's that interesting, Pete, but I just feel like it's worth pointing out because these guys for a showdown uh, for the Super Bowl, which is going to be gigantic, the millionaire maker ones, $10 entry, I think on DraftKings, probably a similar thing on FanDuel. Um, it's a big tournament. I do think Scotty Miller, uh, obviously very early, but 27 snaps is not anything to, to, to sneeze at if Antonio Brown does end up out. And to me, if, if Brown is out, I think Scotty Miller for showdowns is already looking very sneaky. Yeah, it's so funny. I was talking about this this morning about how the Super Bowl showdown, it's, you know, they release the salary so early and everyone, you get projections so quickly. And then it's like, all right, now I have 12 more days until this game actually happens. I thought I saw last I heard that, um, that Antonio Brown was expected back for the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah, I saw the Buccaneers expect Brown to be ready for the Super Bowl again, according to Ian Rappaport. So, you know, Take that with whatever grain of salt uh, you would like. But yeah, Scotty Miller looked good. I, it was, um, man, that touchdown he had, that was just awful blown coverage there mm. by the Packers. But yeah, I, I agree. I think Scotty Miller now is pretty obviously the you know main beneficiary 
of Antonio Brown being out. And then it also made sense. Tyler Johnson had that really good third down completion. And that looked like a Godwin route, you know, just right over the middle, a little slant. Um, so yeah, I think their roles feel pretty uh, bankable as far as predicting it. And uh, yeah, Scotty could be the showdown king if AB's out. And then one other snap count, which I thought was interesting and something to keep in mind heading into that showdown uh, for the Super Bowl. Fournette, Lenny Fournette, Uncle Lenny slash Playoff Lenny slash whatever other nicknames. Are there any other fun nicknames for Fournette that we that you have in your repertoire that you want to throw uh, into the mix? You hear a lot of fat Lennies out there. Yeah, <laughs> He's not that fat now. He had a fat run. I feel like he's perfectly in shape now. It kind of morphed, though, because then people were saying Playoff Lenny uh, yesterday. So he went from Fat Lenny to Playoff Lenny. And I mean, that's been, <laughs> I would take that upgrade, I think. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but Fournette, 44 snaps. Ronald Jones, just 18. And this is one take that that hurt me. I thought these guys, I thought there was a 50-50 shot of one of them having the day. And Jones still got a good amount of touches, really wasn't that far behind. If I don't have it in front of me, but I believe he had 12 carries to, to Fournette's 15. And then Fournette had a little more in the pass game, as he always does. But Fournette, it seems like it's his job now. And I think Jones, still a guy I'll have some exposure to for that Super Bowl showdown. Of course, we will dig deeper on that coming um, before the Super Bowl, a little bit closer to then. But I think that Fournette, this is probably his backfield. Like he's done nothing to cost him the job. And the one touchdown run he had was actually very impressive. So I'm kind of team Lenny here. And I, I hope he gets a nice contract. I don't know what a nice contract is for a guy who's a little bit on the older side and has been run out of town once, but I hope he gets a shot somewhere. I feel like Fournette kind of has revitalized his career in a way that getting cut from Jacksonville is about as low as you can get. Yeah, it was weird because in my head, the kind of theory I was telling myself about this backfield was, you know, the Bucks want to use Rojo when they have a lead. They want to salt things away, let him get that early down work. But then you saw, you know, even in a positive game script for them, they were giving Leonard Fournette a ton of work. So I think it's definitely, you know, worth updating how we think about that backfield. That said, is there anyone more fickle with their running back usage than Bruce Arians. So like the second I feel like we think a trend is established, would it shock me if the Super Bowl opens with Ronald Jones, you know, getting 10 straight carries? It wouldn't shock me in the least bit. So I, but I kind of like that for showdown, right? Where everyone's going to get funneled toward a specific situation. If it's a little more murky than maybe people realize, I feel like that's something we can take advantage of. And Will Harris here in the YouTube chat saying, honestly, I can't wait for two weeks of tinkering. Everyone will say they had the nuts, but swapped off. That is definitely the process here where I'm sure we'll talk about some things here. And then Pete and I will nickel and dime ourselves over the course of the two weeks only to end up back where we were by the time we do a Super Bowl preview show, because that's the nature of the beast here. You just have to question everything and then, and then realize like you probably shouldn't have questioned it in the first place. And then you're wrong anyway. So it's always so great. Yeah. It's like that phrase. It's, it's not about, you know, the, the destination. It's about the tinkering we did along the way. I mean, that's what we're all here for, right? If it was just about just seeing what happens, quickly revealing, no, no, no. It's about getting to spend all week thinking and obsessing about these things. And one other guy I think we should hit on before we move on to talk more about the Bills Chiefs game. Um, Devontae Adams, I just feel like give him a, give him a shout out for the year he had. I think he was, to me, uh, one of the best receivers in the league by a wide margin. I feel like both in terms of the results, obviously you can't argue that. Just play by play too. Like he got a ton of volume. I think um, yesterday could have been a much bigger day. I feel like uh, by my count, he had at least five or six end zone targets that didn't work out his way. That's going to happen. But Adams to me, I feel like is probably the guy besides Rogers. I feel the worst for here because he left it all on the field 
Hill. And to me, he should have probably had a day like a Tyreek Hill had or a, a Travis Kelsey had where he just gets fed the ball over and over and over again. Cause I think he had room to have more production than he had maybe besides those end zone targets. Um, I, I just like Adams a lot and I, I want better for him because he's a guy who really worked himself into being a top receiver. Like he was shit on a lot as a green Bay player earlier on in his career. And for him to come where he is, like, I think hopefully he doesn't have the Michael Thomas treatment next year, but I, I just love the guy and I want to see him do well. So I just want to make sure we, we give our proper love to a guy who really nobody's underrating. I just want to say it. <laughs> yeah, no, but you made that point. He was by far, um, you know, I remember back the first time I played dynasty football was heading into the 2014 season. So the first rookie draft I ever did was that great rookie crop where we had Mike Evans and Sammy Watkins were going at the top. You'd have guys like Odell and Brandon cooks in the middle. And then you were able to get guys like Allen Robinson in the second round. And then after Allen Robinson, you were getting the Devonte Adams types. And then he let people down for a couple of years. Everyone's like Devonte Adams is a bust. And then he goes from getting lost in the shuffle of one of the best wide receiver classes to being the best wide receiver in that class. Now, I don't think anyone would argue that. So he's been on quite the, um, the, uh, the journey here throughout his career. And man, he's, he's just an absolute stud. Yeah. And you know, volume is always an important thing we talk about in fantasy. And last year he did have a ton of volume, but didn't have quite the results he's had this year. And I think just seeing a guy grow, seeing a guy improve, like those are the guys I like the most, you know, guys shooting out hot is always fun. Justin Jefferson this year, you know, being that guy who Pete was on early as well as in part of his quest to round up all the, the young Phillies out there and get him in his staple. But I feel like a guy too, who just starts cold and then just gets better and keeps working. And um, I think Adams deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, one game, I think, which feels like they didn't deserve a lot of credit, the Bills Chiefs game. And I think the thing, main thing to me, Pete, is that Josh Allen and the Bills really just weren't ready here. Like, I, I think that was sort of what rang through throughout the game. The final score maybe doesn't show it quite as much, but I like Josh Allen a lot. And he's a dude who I remember getting made fun of for bringing him up on streams a couple of years ago when he was a rookie, had that hot run to close that rookie year. And people just didn't believe in him. And he's gotten more accurate, kind of the same thing as Adams, just improved year by year. And I think it's a different ball game where you kind of looked at the four QBs and you could see, you know, Mahomes, Brady, Rogers, and then Josh Allen kind of stands out like a sore thumb. I think he'll be better. I think he'll be more ready next year. But Pete, I just felt like overall, like this wasn't Josh Allen's time yet. And maybe he'll, maybe he'll never be his time because he's basically the same age as Mahomes. It's funny. I agree with you, but it almost feels like it was Sean McDermott who the time wasn't quite right for the moment was too big for him. I just still cannot get over those egregious two field goals. He goes for those, you know, 99% of the time in the regular season they had, they've been so aggressive. And then he shriveled up in that moment. And I think we look at Josh Allen's performance. If they go for those, and they score touchdowns on those. I mean, Josh Allen, at least from a fantasy point perspective, has over 40 points in that scenario if you add a couple more touchdowns there. So I don't know. At least right now, I'm more assigning the blame to uh, McDermott. But yeah, I do agree just in general, this team feels like they're a year away. I feel like you see this more in the NBA uh, where these young teams, they need to build up kind of that resume of playing in the playoffs before they can truly make that deep run. And I feel like that here with the bills of like these teams that have the experience, they're not going to let you get away with these mistakes. You have to push every edge you had. And when McDermott didn't push it there trying to score, I think he gave the chiefs the, uh, the window to run away with it. 
it was a bit of a whiff, you know, for anybody who watched the last dance documentary, kind of a whiff of the Pistons and the Bulls there where obviously Josh Allen is not quite Michael Jordan, though. <laughs> I do hope he takes it personally and comes back angrily. But um, I do think that's sort of what it is where you see the team where they're on the cusp, they're close, but you can't get over the alpha dog, you can't get over Kansas City. And um, maybe they will get over Kansas City in the coming years. But uh, I, I'm happy for Josh Allen to kind of at least hit this level of respect. But I agree with you. I think that's a fair point um, that just – McDermott last year too, the same thing against the Texans where they had the lead and then quickly dialed it back. And you saw them just be afraid of Allen killing them against Kansas city. You can't take field goals. Like you have to force that downfield and have to make that work. And um, yeah, I think to me, you're, you're, you're probably right to put more blame on Sean McDermott. Um, and another spot too, I let Pete, if you want to pull up the tweet here, I think it's worth just yeah. showing real fast. Um, Stefan Diggs, I felt like was very disappointing in the game, obviously. And that's sort of been uh, one of the innuendos about Steve Spagnolo, my, my namesake, my uncle Steve, um, and his defense that he runs in Kansas city. So they take away the favorite toy, but you could see Stefan Diggs uh, after the bad game. He's the one guy from the bills watching the celebration and, I know they like we see this happen sometimes. There's like some college kid who did this earlier in the week and he like watched the celebration too or was out and then was out shooting free throws after. But I feel like this is one of those things where you see a player do it and I feel like I already want to upgrade his stock for next year. Like he should be a top three receiver based upon this one, what, 15 second Twitter clip. I know. I, I like it too. I actually wasn't aware of it until you mentioned it to me earlier today. And I, I do think that's cool. Uh, and it's also, I don't know, I think that idea of, I want to rub my face in this. I want to feel so shitty so that all off season, when I'm training, when I'm working hard, when I feel like getting lazy, I remember that moment and how my stomach was just churning that it wasn't me over there getting that done. So I think that's a very powerful uh, technique because I know for me, when I brick a slate or whatever, I just want to turn it all off and run away. And Stefan Diggs is like, no, let me look at this because I'm going to use this for fuel. Is there anybody whose stock has been rehabbed more this year than Stefan Diggs, given how Minnesota basically acted like he was a diva receiver, kind of the classic T.O. type who um, is holding down the team with whatever. And, they, you know, they didn't say a ton of negative things. It's not like uh, not like the Patriots who will bury a team to the press as they're or a player to the press as they're getting shipped out of town. Um, I think with Minnesota, I just felt like there was a lot of bad juju around Diggs and he comes to Buffalo and, and it's all to his credit, all about how great of a teammate he is, how he's setting blocks for guys. He wants the Cole Beasley's of the world to have big days. Like, I just think Diggs to me, um, much like, like Devontae Adams, just a dude who's just really, I think, taken a, a big jump in terms of perception and um, maybe gets overdrafted as a result next year. But I just like Diggs and I feel like I, I like that moment. I like Diggs and what he did all year. And he was due for a down game and he unfortunately finally had it in the AFC title game. Yeah, it's funny because wide receivers get this... Um stereotype and i think it's a pretty good stereotype of being these mercurial kind of athletes and it's hard to understand or untangle sometimes are they just being unreasonable like say michael thomas who i think most people is like something the screws aren't all there with this guy anytime you're punching one of your teammates like something's bad and then you hear this kind of discontent from some of these other wide receivers and i think Diggs is a good example of when we heard it yes could it have sounded like the sour grapes, Michael Thomas variety, of course, but seeing this evolution, it was like, man, I know I'm really, really talented and I want to be on a team that is going to feature me and play to my skill sets. And then he got that this year and we didn't see him, you know, being pouty or whatever other things people want to dock him for. So it did seem like he just needed to change the scenery and going to the bills, getting paired up with a young up and coming, um, quarterback and Josh Allen. I mean, it, it worked out perfectly and it's been great to see him kind of have his career revitalized here. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a good point to make, too, is that, you know, these guys like I think a lot of times the traditional media really does dock these guys for wanting to leave town or wanting to get traded or, you know, giving up on the job before it's done or whatever the case may be. And I think to me, you know, it's like the same thing with with Peter. I in our careers, like if there's a big opportunity and like, you know, Pete was like, yeah, fuck, I can't do this podcast anymore. I have to go because like the ESPN wants me to do the Peter Overs at Top Shot show every day on ESPN Plus. I would be like, oh, it's a bummer. But like, yeah, Pete, you're ready for this. Like, go, go do it. Like it, have me on as a guest. Like we'll figure out some way to make it work. But I think that's something with athletes. For some reason, we don't extend them that courtesy. And like, yeah, if Jeremy Grant in the NBA wants to go to Detroit and wants to be a star and he's getting paid out the ass for it, like what's wrong with that? Like I get, I just, it's something we do a lot and, you know, kind of maybe it's a little twinge of, of a racial thing too. Cause it's always black athletes doing the stuff, but I don't know. I don't know. We don't need to go down that road, but it's always odd to me. And I just want to see these guys thrive. And I think much like me, like I want them to have the best shot they can. And they actually have the ability to, to force that. Yeah, no, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think, and it's, it's part of these guys get to the NFL. They, you know, professional athletes in general, they get to this point because one, they are the best at basically every level of competition they've ever played. And on top of that, part of what makes them the best at every level is because they think they're the best and they don't take any other kind of outlook to even be relevant. They're just like, I'm the best. And and that kind of motivates them. So it's natural. I think that you hear this kind of talk um, from these guys and you hear the trash talk because it's, it's, um, uh, I don't even know. It's like paradoxical. It's like, are they the best because they are, or because they think they're the best, you know, they kind of work in tandem. So I understand why these guys have outsized egos and it's always great when, uh, one of the good guys is actually at the top, like Stefan Diggs. Yeah. And being able to back it out like he did this year. I mean, one of the highest volume receivers and certainly uh, really materially changed that Buffalo offense where uh, sorry to all the Buffalo fans who are listening. I think our boy Tony in the in the YouTube chat right now, maybe one of them. Uh, a lot of guys also in the awesome streams that I see are our big Bills fans. Very crestfallen. But, um, you know, it's you'll be back. This is a young team who's a lot of fun. And and we'll hopefully uh, one thing we have to talk about Devin Singletary. What a shithead. I hate that guy so much. And I thought if ever there was a shot last week, he was a down play even with no Zach Moss didn't get a carry in the first half this week benched for TJ Yeldon I I feel like has to be a low point in any player's career I know you know what it, was it on splash play um last week where someone said I wonder if we see less than 25 carries combined in this game was that on Might splash play or all blurs together but we'll say yeah it could have been one of your other okay. streams where you had somebody smart on but I'll pretend it was our show <laughs> I just wanted to look and see if that it ended up coming close I think the Chiefs ruined it because Darrell ended up having 13 carries but I mean Josh Allen led the Bills in carries yesterday. And then TJ Yeldon looked like the better back. Um, cause the whole thesis for me in DFS, I played, um, I played Singletary in my spy lineup too. It was like, I don't think he's going to get a ton of carries, but I bet he catches, you know, four or five balls as the pass catching back. And it was like, no, TJ Yeldon's the guy catching four balls as our pass catching back. So yeah, they seem to be pretty out on Singletary when you think about it of like they went and draft Zach Moss with a pretty decent amount of capital. And then you lose Zach Moss, you're in the biggest game of the year and you're featuring TJ Yeldon, you know? So uh, I think the stock on Devin Singletary has to be pretty low right now. Yeah, he needed to hang out and watch the losing celebration, I think, and get a little read there. But I think he dropped a pass, which led to his benching, and then he ended up getting in a little bit more. But you're right, like T.J. Eldon looked better, and um, honestly, wouldn't surprise me if they go back to the draft or maybe sign one of these other guys who were going to be floating around out there. Uh, maybe And Aaron Jones would be kind of fun for them, I think, if you really want to lean in and, and get another guy who's probably on the trash heap but undervalued a little bit. That would be fun. Um, I would be curious if they would be willing to pay him what he wants, but just purely for what he would add to that offense. I mean, 
it, they would immediately become the most exciting offense in football. And I even say that as uh, someone who realizes the Chiefs are, you know, a generational offense themselves. Speaking of the Chiefs, let's talk about their side of this game here. And I feel like, you know, it's kind of odd given that we saw last week Patrick Mahomes go out with the injury, then Chad Henney comes in, and obviously that's a big story. But I feel like Mahomes, to me, was just not as big of a factor in this game as, or at least, you know, the throws he was making, I, he obviously made some great throws. He's Patrick Mahomes, it's going to happen. But it really, to me, was just like how amazing Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are as a combined duo when you are giving them the full volume against a team that can't stop them at all. Like, I, we saw gigantic ceiling games. Tyreek didn't have any touchdowns. We'll talk about this in the stat shaming segment coming up in a bit. But uh, Tyreek looked amazing. Travis Kelsey broke every possible slate, really showed the, the DFS take that people have had all year long. Just play Travis Kelsey when he's on a slate because his ceiling and his floor are better than any other tight end you're going to find. Um, but I just really was impressed by those guys more than anything where I thought they made Mahomes. I don't think Mahomes looked as gimpy as he could have looked with the toe injury coming off the concussion protocol. But I thought those guys made it easier for Mahomes where um, like they're unstoppable. And I, I would love to see them get that work every week though if they did like they'd be like 10k guys each yeah i mean they deserve to be uh at this point and i think that's what's so crazy about the chiefs offense obviously in a perfect world they're just doing splash plays play action tyreek hill 80 yard bomb miko hardman 80 yard bomb teams don't want to get beat deep by the chiefs they don't want to give up that quick play so you know they're bracketing them bringing over the safety and then they're like fine We'll just run Travis Kelsey over the middle. We'll do these little out routes to the sideline with Tyree Kill. And both of them are so talented. Kelsey's so big and fast. Hill's so fast. They can't stop it. It's like you know what they're going to do, but you can't stop it. Even if you bite on Tyree Kill on a little out, well, he's probably going to jump it and now run a fly route right past you. So it's like, I don't know how you cover these guys. I was in a chat with some of my buddies and they're like, just, just double team Travis Kelsey. Like he's killing you. I'm like, and then what? Let Tyree kill just run loose down the sideline and one-on-one -on -one coverage. Like you have to pick your poison with this team. And they're just so multiple, so many ways to beat you. There's one thing too with Tyreek that's jumped out, and I think it's something that T.Y. Hilton is a guy who sort of added to that later in his career because he had to because his quarterbacks couldn't throw it deep downfield. Being able to work the short routes, being able to get end zone targets and find little holes. And I feel like Tyreek, you know, uh, I know you've done some streams that I'm Levitan, and I, I've always, you know, I was a big fan of the Fantasy uh, Fantasy Edge podcast that they had for a while. And like, I, I enjoy him, but I feel like one of his worst takes that's now getting worse by the year is the, the Ty Fluke nickname for him, where he was all big plays. And I think to Tyreek's credit, you know, uh, for whatever other issues he may have in life, he really dedicated himself to getting better at those short routes, getting better at those intermediate routes. So now the deep routes are even more potent for him. And I feel like it was really in play yesterday where just he was working the short routes, like you mentioned, getting those out routes, getting in the flat, getting in the ball in so many different spots where then when he does go for a deep ball, it's like, oh shit, like we are very in trouble because he can do this other thing equally as well. Yeah, and uh, and now we get a rematch of Tyree Kill versus the Tampa Bay secondary. That was the game where he put up 269 yards and three TDs. Most of it came in that first half. So you have to think Tampa Bay is coming into this game with, we cannot let Tyree Kill beat us deep. I mean, it, to me, it seems like it's going to set up for another big Travis Kelsey game because Tampa Bay is just, what's the tape they're going to be watching over and over? Tyree Kill just eating them alive. Yeah, that monster day, one of the best fantasy days of the year. Uh, that was against the Bucks. So we'll see if Tyree can somehow get close to there. And I feel like here's a good question from a Gem City Gridiron or a statement, really. I wish we could figure out which one to play each week with Hardman and Robinson. Off After the muffled punt, I was like, okay, Robinson. And here's one data point that I pulled here, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Nicole Hardman, only 23 snaps last week, or, or this week, rather, uh, nine in the slot. Demarcus Robinson had 42 snaps. 
three in the slot. And I don't know if this is a matchup thing, but this is to me potentially, you know, depending upon Sammy Watkins status, uh, I guess decent chance he could make it in with two weeks here. But if these guys are going to be in and Watkins is out, like Robinson and Hardman, I think are matchup plays, I guess, for Kansas City, where um, you want to get these guys probably equally. And I don't know if you have a lean here because we are kind of digging deep in terms of the rosters. But with Hardman and Robinson, like which guy do you prefer? I feel like you have to be a Hardman guy based on your your love of speed and young players. Yeah, I mean, Hardman has always been the guy that I prefer to chase. I've, I've stashed him in a dynasty league and kind of refused to let him go. And it was super encouraging. You would think after that muff punt, okay, we're never seeing me again. He's getting benched. You know, you can't muff a punt in that big of a spot. And then they're manufacturing plays for him at the goal line a few series later. So to me, that kind of signals a, a certain level of trust uh, now from the team. And, and they view him as a playmaker that, even if he has his mistakes, they have to get him involved. So I do think um, Michael Hardman's the guy you want long-term. That said, you know, in the Super Bowl, if we look at our showdown ownership and Mecole and Demarcus Robinson are similar price and Mecole's gaining, you know, gaining 15 percentage points extra ownership, like you all obviously play Demarcus Robinson in that stance. Yeah. And Robinson too, you know, if he's going to run routes at volume go with, you know, if he's out there with Tyreek and Kelsey and in the Super Bowl, you know, assuming again, Sammy Watkins not being in there, I think you could see Robinson have one of those sneaky days. And honestly, you know, I think it depends a lot on Watkins health, but I feel like because of the attention, they're going to have to pay to Tyreek for what Pete mentioned here, just going to watch game tape of him killing them last game. They're probably going to send two guys at him and then Kelsey as well. Like maybe that opens up some room for Robinson to get some really easy passes and maybe those are end zone targets. And I think he could be a very, very sneaky uh, Super Bowl prop bet guy for MVP just or even a first touchdown score. Uh, so that's just a, a little betting take here that we'll see if Sammy Watkins makes it in. One other snap count issue here or item to talk about here to give you guys hopefully a little bit of an edge moving forward. Uh, it ended up being a quote from, uh, I think it was given to Jay Glazer about how the running backs are going to be in a rotation with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Darrell Williams. And the rotation ended up being basically a 50-50 split. 31 snaps for Darrell, 32 for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And Pete, did you have a lean here between these guys? Because I think it's gets to the point where it's hard to argue that Darrell Williams might be the best back in this entire team. Yeah, no, I, I was pushing Darrell. It was one of the few things I got right uh, for this slate. And even though the snaps were equal, I mean, Williams had 13 of 19 carries, three of four carries inside the 10, and 67% of the total backfield touches. So an interesting thing where they were using them just on the field interchangeably, but the workload was all going to Darrell there. And it kind of made intuitive sense. Like Clyde Edwards Hilaire hasn't separated all season long, hasn't really flashed. He's been just a guy. And then he's injured or out. And Darrell Williams looked great in that in that conference champion or divisional round game against the Browns. So it made sense to me that they would lean on Darrell. I think it's a more tricky calculus now with two weeks. Uh, of practice leading up to the Super Bowl, I would guess we're pretty close to a 50-50 split uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, is there anybody whose stock who died as much from week one as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire where everybody, the victory lapping that was going on about how anybody who got him in a best ball league or in their, or even in DFS played him and they're like, this guy's the next Marshall Falk. And, and now it's like, yeah, I honestly would rather see the journeyman running back who it happens to be have the same initials as the running back who opted out this year for their team. Like it's kind of a downer for Clyde. Uh, he's another guy too who needs to watch somebody else celebrate, I think. <laughs> this is the meme that we need. All these guys need to watch another team beat them, I think would be the, the best route for him. Yeah, I know. I just had to pull it up to see what his week one line was, you know, against the Texans. So CH had 25 carries for 138 yards and a touchdown uh, and actually didn't get any work in the passing game. 
in that, which kind of was an interesting little subtle indicator of my, what come, you know, what was to come in that he isn't maybe as dynamic as, as everyone hoped. And I mean, Durrell had looked good in the passing game too. So yeah, I don't, I don't think they are, they're going to want to save some face on CH. They're not just going to outright bench him and admit that they wasted a first round pick, but man, I don't know how you don't give Darrell Williams the majority of the work. Yeah. And the biggest jump guys make is often that first year to second year, really at every position, but especially running back wide receiver. So, you know, maybe he comes back next year, maybe having a full off season where you're not just doing virtual things, assuming that, you know, that's sort of the way things work out with the way of the world right now. Uh, maybe that gets him where he needs to go for next year. But for right now, not looking that great. If you guys are in the chat right now, make sure you hit the like button. If you're watching after the fact as well, hit that like button. And if you're listening on Apple podcast, throw us five stars and a review. It helps us out on there. We very much appreciate all of you guys who've chimed in all year long. Uh, really helping us feel like we're, we're getting the love we wanted to get from the show. So thank you. And Pete, actually, this might be one worth pulling up if you can on the screen too. the second tweet in here. Um, this Adam Schefter list of QBs, I feel like we should yeah. burn through pretty fast. Um, apparently there, he said in this tweet, he projects that there could be 18 QBs changing teams this off season. And then there's this nice little graphic that ESPN made for him too, going along with it. And I just want to go through here because this is really a, the NBA's had a lot of movement recently. This NFL season could have a ton of movement. I just kind of wanted to go by, maybe we don't have to hit on everybody on the list, but it's to give a little soundbite length thoughts here on these guys. And um, Deshaun Watson's one we've talked about a lot, uh, obviously unhappy in Houston, didn't get consulted about the coaching or GM hires in a way that he felt appreciated. Now rumors are he's forcing his way out of town. So Pete, give, give me your thought here. A, let's, let's do this two parts. Do you think he moves? And if he does move, actually no, three parts. Do you think he moves? Where does he go to and where do you want him to go to? Oh my God. This is turning into a whole episode here. <laughs> There's a test here. I just want to keep you on uh, your toes. I do. Just from the quotes I've read, he seems so upset and the Texans seem like such a poorly run franchise that I could see them dumping him off in the same way they did DeAndre Hopkins. And, and in the same way that we've seen the Lions say that they're willing to mutually part ways with Matthew Stafford. So yes, I think Deshaun Watson goes. And um, this is where I'm more out of my league. I don't even know the salary cap situations yeah. or, you know, throw what that out the window. Cause I don't know that either. the salary cap stuff is one of my weaknesses too. Let's just say in like if, in a Madden trade world where like you could somehow figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would love him to go to Miami. I think that would be super, super fun. Okay. So yeah, Miami. Yeah. We don't need to say where we think he goes. Cause I think I agree as that's probably a little bit outside of our depth. I will say, Hmm. I would like him to go to the Rams again, I, contractually, I don't know how this would happen, but boy, you talk about an evolved version of John Walford. That's the Sean Watson. That's what <laughs> McVay all know. But can you imagine though him with McVay as his guy, like what they could do in that offense? I think it would be one of the most potent offenses in the league right away. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think you can, that's the thing about Deshaun Watson. I mean, the quarterbacks and the elite quarterbacks are the straw that stirs the drink in this offense. So even provided they have just a coach with a modicum of, you know, sensibility and a decent level of talent, Deshaun Watson's going to immediately make them a great team. So it is fun to think about all the different places he could go and immediately turn them into a Super Bowl contender. All right, the next one on the list, Aaron Rodgers. We talked about him earlier. My inkling would be that he doesn't go. I guess one rumor that was out there last offseason was that Tom Brady, when he left the Bucs, that Aaron Rodgers might then go to the Bucs. And I guess maybe that's one option here. If Brady somehow unexpectedly retires, maybe if he wins the Super Bowl and that that's the way he wants to go out. But I think besides that, I, I don't see him doing the same thing with Breeze and the Saints. I feel like Rodgers stays. But Pete, what do you think? 
Yeah. You know, Rogers does strike me as a guy. If I, I, I also think he stays, if he does leave, he seems like one of those guys that wants to go to LA or somewhere warm and just be done with living in a small city like that. So uh, I think the Rams would be interesting for him. Maybe the 49ers to just get out to California. I like how we're like the Rams haven't even been rumored to be in the market for these guys. And I'm sure their, their contracts are terrible, but I really want any QB to go to the Rams instead of Jared Goff. Yeah. I mean, they, they are, I mean, they would McVay would ditch Goff so fast. If he could get <laughs> Rogers or Watson, it wouldn't even be funny. The next guy on the list, Matthew Stafford and the rumors so far are tying him to the Niners, which I think would be amazing as well. Him with a, a solid run game, even though uh, they are losing their passing game coordinator, the younger LaFleur, uh, who maybe has a little bit of a stake in that, but I really think that's a Kyle Shanahan thing. I think Stafford would work really well with Shanahan. I think he'd probably have to get used to not slinging the ball deep eight times a game, but, but when he does do it, I think he's going to get a lot more success. So uh, to me, the rumor out there for Stafford going to the Niners, that seems like the most logical one. Yeah, that one would be interesting because I also feel like Shanahan is very sharp and versatile and tailors his skill position players to in offense to the players he has. And I feel like we've seen a lot of like dink and dunk from him because he doesn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo to make the bigger throws. That's why you see these weeks where Debo Samuel has negative air yards. You know, they're doing everything around the line of scrimmage to make it easy. But you get Matthew Stafford in there. I bet Kyle Shanahan opens up that playbook too. We start seeing Ayuk deeper down the field and some fun stuff. So yeah, that would give them a whole new look offense. That would be pretty scary. Yeah, bye, yeah, bye, bye, Jimmy G League says FF Doom in the in the YouTube chat there, and yeah, that might be uh, Jimmy G. Uh, rumored to go back to the Patriots. Let's jump to him real fast, or we can move back up. But Jimmy G, I think going back to the Patriots just seems fun, <laughs> like fun homecoming for there. And then they're also taking on a, a pretty terrible contract from what we've seen of Jimmy G so far. So I don't know they'd want to do that, but it feels like it'd be a nice homecoming for him. I don't know who else would take them like Carolina if they want to move off Bridgewater. Like I, I think the Patriots seem the most logical if the, if he were to move. Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong on this just because quarterback uh, can get gross quickly. But to me, it feels like Jimmy G would be transitioning toward the backup QB stage of his career where Jimmy G is, he could market himself as I will be the best backup QB in the league. Let me come and sit behind you. And then if your starter gets hurt, I can still take you on a playoff run. I feel like that's his ceiling at this point. Maybe you go to Tampa Bay. <laughs> Learn under Tom Brady. Yeah. Reunite them. <laughs> Being paid 25 million a year. Uh, Dak Prescott. I think this one is the most clear cut one. Dallas saw what they had or didn't have with Andy Dalton. I think that's, that's a situation they don't want to revisit. I think Dak stays in Dallas. Yeah, I, I I think they are. Last I saw, his recovery has been going well on track and stuff. I think that would be just a catastrophically bad decision to get rid of Dak. Our boy Willison in the chat, our accountant, of course, who helps with the ride or die picks, uh, pointing out here that uh, Rogers going to the Niners, which uh, has some kismet with Rogers, of course, going to Cal, being a Northern California guy. That actually is kind of interesting, though. It does seem like the price tag in this whole situation is going to be easier to get Stafford. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that makes sense. And doesn't, doesn't he have other ties there as well? I think he's just a Northern California guy in general. Like he might've grown up there if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, that's what I thought. There's some other tie there. So that, that makes sense. Sam Darnold. Uh, I mean, I think he stays with the jets just because of the way that the draft works out. I think they give him one more year to salvage. See if maybe he can be a guy who the defense carries him. He doesn't quite kill the team on offense. So I think he stays. I, I just feel like you're, what are you going to get from him? Like, unless he gets cut, which I think is just a tremendous waste of an asset. So, or, or at least a potential asset. So I think Darnold stays with the jets. 
Yeah, um, that's one where I'd have to know the contract situation, but I, I do think the Jets would be pretty quick and happy to to move on if somebody better came along. I feel like it should be a lesson for these teams now to not get stuck in QB purgatory. You see these guys, whether they're backup QBs, you know, we see PJ Walker, you know, come in the XFL, look great in his game. Like there are quarterbacks out there, like take stabs on them, draft extra ones in the draft. Maybe you get a Jalen Hurts, like the Eagles. It does not matter if you have a Carson Wentz. So I'm definitely pro accumulate uh, as many uh, darts that you can throw at the position. And I feel like the Jets should be a team that's tossing some other darts right now. Uh, Carson Wentz, I, I feel like he, I don't know who's going to trade from him, but for him or who would want him, I don't know if the Eagles can cut him because of the, the cap situation there where they paid him a gigantic contract and now he's sort of persona non grata. I presume that's why they brought in their their coach, uh, Nick Sirianni, I think it's, I forget what his name is offhand, but uh, the Colts offensive coordinator who uh, got the most out of Phillip Rivers, I think maybe they give him a shot to stay. I think I, my inkling would be he stays, but Denver to me seems like an idiot team who would trade for him. So those would be my thoughts on Carson, if you have any. Yeah, man, that does feel well. I I was just gonna say that feels like a John Elway uh, move, but I believe he did just rearrange his front office responsibilities. Yeah. So maybe maybe there's a smarter era uh, now coming. Yeah, <laughs> here's one. Let's go to Ben Roethlisberger real fast because uh, FF Doom pointed out in the chat that the Steelers have their franchise QB. They did sign Dwayne Haskins, and uh, Gem City wants uh, wants wants Jameis to go there, which was a natural fit that didn't happen this offseason. I think Roethlisberger comes back one more year. I think he just, he's going to go until the wheels fall off, I feel like. But uh, do you have any feel here for Ben? And do you think that Pittsburgh does make any sort of meaningful move? Yeah, I just don't know. They, I mean, they're definitely a team that <laughs> needs to be stocking the cupboard behind him. And they, they've they known this day was coming. Like, they know the wheels are coming off. He's, he's getting older. He's regressing a little bit year by year. Uh, I don't know why they haven't been more proactive of getting a really good backup, a guy who could maybe, you know, learn for a year or two. But yeah, I think they need to start scrambling for their for the next era. And uh, let's see, anybody else? Jared Goff, I, I want, I could tell you where I want him to go to retirement or to anywhere else. I'm so tired of Jared Goff. Um, I don't know who would want to take on his contract. I presume he'd stay a Ram. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I, I can't really envision where else he would go. Cam Newton, I think also might just be on the scrap heap at this point. I, I don't think we saw anything. If anybody, if he does get a contract, I think it's a backup job and he's going to have to take that. I think I don't know who would start him after this year. Yeah. Uh, that we're now getting to the part where it's like this, this is backup quarterback territory. It's hard to envision any team paying, you know, for the right for these guys to be their starter. Yeah, Teddy, same thing as well. I, I wouldn't shock me if they bring a young guy in to compete. I don't know that he gets cut or anything because I assume he's still under contract for them. And here's an interesting one because I feel like this is a spot that I am curious. Mitchell Trubisky, um, if I were the Bears, I would bring in Jameis Winston as competition. Um, I don't know that they can keep Allen Robinson, but imagine Jameis with Allen Robinson. I think you're unlocking the best Allen Robinson there. Um, plug me really for Jameis, any opening QB spot that has a good receiver. I just want to see Jameis go, but I feel like you can't bring Trubisky back alone. You have to have give him probably somebody who's a good free agent competition. Competition. Yeah, I like FF Doom's suggestion here. Winston to the Steelers, Deontay Claypool. Um, I love how you're throwing so much shade, not even mentioning Juju in there, uh, FF Doom. But yeah, that would be uh, pretty fun. I would love to see that. 
<laughs> Mitch to the Colts. Yeah, there's going to be some movement here. So those are sort of the main takes. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think also kind of a bargain, whoever gets him, if you are going to bring him in, whether he's sort of a gatekeeper QB or if he's, uh, you know, you bring in the young guy and then you bring in uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick to mentor slash be in front, kind of like he did for Tua. Uh, but as a backup too, I hope Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't, doesn't go away because he's one guy we didn't see enough of this year, but he's like the ultimate splash play QB guy who we probably would have made into a mascot if we started this podcast a year earlier. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've we've cycled through a few Robbie Anderson. We added Chase Claypool. I, I think there's room for a Mount Rushmore of splash play figureheads. Maybe something to fill the many hours in the offseason we're going to have to do. And let's talk about the Super Bowl real fast before we jump off here. And again, very early preview we're going to give you guys with the lines that we have so far. And things are going to change a lot over the next two weeks, as is always the case with the injuries, with the data that comes out, all of that. But right now, Kansas City, 29.8 implied points. Tampa Bay, 26.8 implied points. I know there are some spots of spreads at three and a half. I've got it at three where I pulled. Over under 56 and a half, and it's worth pointing out, this is this over under is a half point under the highest scoring Super Bowl ever, uh, which is 57 points. I forget which, I think that was the, the Falcons Green Bay one from, or excuse me, Falcons New England one, if I'm remembering correctly. Either way, high total here. Pete, I think really this one grades out as a gigantic shootout. I don't know anyway. It's not a gigantic shootout. And I think this honestly probably, you know, Green Bay, a comparable matchup, but probably the best possible outcome for a fantasy friendly Super Bowl. I know my, my gut instinct on those is I like the chiefs a lot, but I kind of like the under, um, just because, you know, the bucks still have, uh, a good defense. We saw, I mean that their game back in November was 27, 24, I believe. So even with, you know, Tyreek Hill explosion, the game still did slow down a good bit. So I'm, I'm tempted to, uh, to take the under on that one, but as a fan, I sure hope that we go over because I do feel like after wildcard weekend divisional conference championship, we didn't get that quintessential shootout that we were all kind of hoping for. So uh, I'm still holding out hope we get that in the Super Bowl. I think there's going to be more shootout potential because these guys do play pretty fast in neutral game scripts. Tampa Bay, actually yesterday, one of the reasons I ended up liking Green Bay a lot more for fantasy is because uh, their neutral pace is about 28.8 seconds. And it's not, it doesn't sound crazy, but a lot of teams normally, uh, especially in the playoffs this deep in, running about 30, 31 seconds. Uh, same thing for Kansas City. They're running at about a 29.4 second pace. And again, this is very nerdy data stuff, but that type of those numbers, them running faster just by a few seconds per play opens up a lot more possessions uh, throughout the the course of a game. So I think it does tend to err on the side of a shootout and, and Pete, it's too early, but we have to give the take here who wins it because I, I think it's gotta be Mahomes. I Kansas city to me feels currently barring injury, like a dynasty. Yeah, I'm with you. It's uh it's the chiefs. I mean, Paramar giving us the uh, contrarian opinion here, two offensive tackles out for KC combined with the TB pass rush lean Tampa Bay. I, I do think that stuff's important. I think offensive line play is very important, but if there's one quarterback who can transcend um, some of those factors, I do think it's, it's Mahomes. And I think we go back to that thing of experience and being here. I know you can say the same for Tom Brady, but not necessarily for this entire Bucks team, This their first real playoff run here. So I still lean KC, but I think, I think it could be good. Uh, I think that line's off by maybe a point or two, but if Vegas is right, three-point game, I mean, that really is anyone's game. 
Yeah, and it's worth pointing out, too, the pressure that Tampa Bay brought uh, definitely had an impact on Rodgers yesterday. And uh, Mahomes, kind of a comparably good pressure QB uh, as Aaron Rodgers was. So Aaron Rodgers on the year uh, took a sack 15% of the time. Mahomes a little bit better, takes a sack 10% of the time when pressured. Uh, interception rate does favor Aaron Rodgers. He only gave up a pick. So we talked about on Splash Play, 0.7% of the time when pressured. Mahomes, 1.4%. So that's a little bit worse. But I think Mahomes, I just feel with his mobility, especially two weeks to heal up, I feel like he's going to be a little better equipped to handle the pressure here. So that's just one thing to think about. And of course, one we'll talk about more as we go. Uh, Pete, we got to jump off here. We've covered everything, but we want to, first of all, say thanks to everybody watching live here. Thank you guys for coming to tune in here, whatever time it is in your world. And of course, if you're watching after the fact, hit that like button, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify too. Pete, what are the plugs here besides people should follow you for your connected universe of content that grows stronger by the day at Peter Overzet? Yeah, we you know we're gonna have the typical shows uh, on Wednesday this week. We got Swolecast, uh, Lulz, which is uh, we're now bringing over to my channel as well with Brian Hooper, and then we got Ship Chasing. We wrapped up our first 2021 draft. Ben Gretsch, Pat, and I did uh, a best ball draft. We were drafting guys I'd never even heard of, rookies that don't have a team yet. So you know we're jumping in, and I did just see Underdog, uh, which. Full disclosure, a site I'm invested in, uh, they just launched their 2021 best ball product. So we uh, we'll have lots of best ball content coming. I, I think even on uh, on here, we should get a best ball early best ball draft going, Spags. Yeah, we got to do, we got to do some, we got some bits to work out in the offseason. We're going to have a lot of fun uh, filling the time between football here in addition to uh, whatever sanity breaks Pete needs to take. But we're going to have content coming out here in some form. But keep your eyes peeled here. We'll be back. Uh, do we, should we do a Friday show? Do we, do we care? Do we want to do just like a short Friday show? I don't know what, what we should do this week. We can figure it out. We can play it yeah. by year. I think um, we should definitely, we should do like a version of Ride or Die, but like a prop, uh Super Bowl prop bet sheet. Mm. Um, yeah. you know, cause everyone puts out those ride or die picks, but we should do a splash play version where everyone is graded and everyone can play with us where we have picks for one, three, and 10. Maybe we list out like, I don't know, 25 or 30 options and at different base levels. Uh, and you can pick like one pointers, three pointers, 10 pointers, and whoever gets the most points, um, we'll come up with something cool. Yeah, maybe that's what we do is we do a Friday, just brainstorm session for what we're going to do the following <laughs> week. I don't know. Either way, tune in guys and follow out splash play pod. We'll make sure we put the news out when, if we're doing an episode, either way, we'll be back next Monday, next Friday, doing the super bowl shows. And hopefully we'll have some fun guests in the mix here. I, I'd like to do a reboot of our, our holiday show. I feel like if we can just get a bunch of these, these miscreants we know and enjoy and get them in for a show for the super bowl. Seems like a, a fun thing we could do potentially. For sure. For but, sure. Right. Yeah. Good. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. We will, uh, we will keep going strong here. All right. Thanks guys for watching. We'll see you guys again soon and uh, enjoy your weeks.